Everybody and welcome to Fantasy Football Today DFS. I am your host, Sian Ajad, and of course, I'm here as always with Mike Ma- Wait a You don't look like Mike McClure. This is Degenerate75. Listen, before I intro James, who you all know, he's a friend of the show. Uh, Mike McClure, you saw his tweet a few days ago. He actually had a fire in his building. He's not back in his unit yet. And so we had to have somebody sub in. Have no fear. His top three will be at the end of the show. His cheat sheet will be here at the end of the show. But James, you've been on this show before, actually recently. I'm really excited to talk about the week three main slate with you. Look, it's pretty simple. You're like Gotham City. And like when you put up the bat signal, I just drop everything. You, you got responsibilities. You got to take care of them. I saw the bat signal last night. I was like, I'll be there, bro. I'll be there. That's right. That's uh, James. And, we, and I really appreciate you for that because it was really short notice that James jumped on with us. I know you, you've you already done uh, sort of a, a slate preview. I know you've done that with Tambo. And I do. Speaking of that, I want to remind everybody, we got the Fantasy Football Today DFS contest out pretty late this week. Um, so we've only got it like a quarter full. So make sure it's going to be in the YouTube description. Of course, it's going to be all over Twitter and in the podcast description. So it's only five bucks. Make sure you join that. But DGen, I think you have a, fan- a, a fantasy football every single week contest, right? How do people access that? Yeah, just a little listener league, a $5 three max, you know, reduced rate, flat payout structure, uh, you know, just community builder type thing. And you can uh, you can find it. I tweet it out. I'll be tweeting it out. Uh, what? Tonight at seven o'clock on on the Twitters. Uh, excuse me. X. That's, I, I don't know if I'll ever be able to adjust that. OK. Yeah, uh, also, it's, y- it's in the description of all my YouTube videos and uh, my newsletter, the mother father newsletter over on Substack. Uh, we, we put it out this morning. So there, there are a lot of ways to get access to it. By the way, uh, if you're happy about DGen being on the show today, go ahead and hit the like button on yeah. YouTube. Maybe retweet the show. I got, I got to retweet it myself over here on the X. Can't stand saying that. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, all right, James, let's dive in. I, like This is a, a pretty fast-paced show. We're just going to go through each game of the main slate, and we're going to talk about some of the plays we like, some of the correlations we like. I know, James, you're not a picks guy necessarily, so you, you know we can just kind of dance around that to some degree. Obviously, we're going to be saying some names. I'm certainly going to be. But correlations, games you like, like that's what I'm really kind of trying to invest in in terms of having you on the show. This first game that I want to talk about, is actually one of my favorites. And I wonder, listen, it's a high total, so a lot of people are going to be interested in this one. But it's the Falcons plus three at the Lions, 46 and a half point total. One thing I like about these Lions games is the golf splits at home. He's got that manicured environment in the dome. But I think more importantly, because so many people are going to be focused on that Justin Herbert, Kirk Cousins game, Chargers, Vikings, I think this one is going maybe a touch under the radar. And I'm not looking at ownership right now, so I don't know that for a fact. But I'm interested in this game. I think a golf, a Monroe stack, or even a double stack that might include Josh Reynolds or Laporta, and just bringing it back with Bijan, who, who got a ton of work last week relative to week one, where he was just, you know, I think it was 10 carries. Uh, last week, he was he was pretty dominant, but he's expensive. Do you think in your like main lineups, James, you're going to have a stack or even have Bijan in your lineups from this game? So I may not have picks, but I have takes. And my take is this. Bijan is even more electric than I thought he was going to be. Yeah. So I, I look, I want to attack this game. I really do. Anytime the game is at Detroit, you just try to get some you just try to get some access to it. But I've already stated that I think the problem with this game is I think the Falcons are are, are not real great, Bob. And with that, I don't know that they can push the Lions. And for the Lions to have an elite upside type game that you're gonna need to win GBPs and stuff, they're gonna need the Falcons to push them. 
But if I could give one caveat, when you have electric players like a Bijan Robinson, if he busts that 80-yard touchdown run or catches a screen and takes it to the house or something like that, that pushes the flow of the game and it makes the Lions super, super appealing. So as much as I don't like the Falcons, I do like some of their individual pieces, Pitts, London, Bijan, because at least those guys are elite talents who could push the pace of this game and make this game like the secret shootout game of the slate that nobody is really thinking of. Yeah, yeah, I, I certainly agree with the shootout part. I mean, listen, this is not a 44-point total. It's 46 and a half, and it wouldn't shock me if this one touches 50. And we know the Falcons like to run the ball. The pace is probably going to be slow, but I think you can run on Detroit. I mean, we th- we haven't really seen them play like great running teams yet, uh, at least not collectively over the two games. They've got some injuries on the defensive side. Uh, Gardner Johnson's hurt. Uh, James Houston is hurt. I, I think we could see... Bijan like rip off a couple of huge runs, which would actually press Jared Goff and Amon Ross St. Brown and, and that whole unit to, to pass the ball a little bit. So I think my second favorite stack, if not my first, is going to be a Jared Goff stack and just bringing it back with Bijan because I think the running game alone could actually push uh, the Detroit Lions if it works out uh, like, like I wanted to. Are you in on the Josh Reynolds experience? Because I had him last week, had him the week before. Um, feels pretty good to me. He's only 4,200. Yeah, I mean, the only problem with Josh Reynolds is he just doesn't get those guaranteed targets that I usually like for my guys in cash. You know, he was very Mm -hmm. touchdown dependent last week. Uh, I watched a lot of that game, and yes, he caught two touchdowns, and he ends up, you look at the score, he had a very nice game. But for my cash games, I would rather see a guy who's getting, like, on average, eight to ten targets a week because that offers me that really safe floor. Love Josh Reynolds for, like, GPP-type plays, uh, and if Amon Raw's out, then, yeah, you can probably play him in cash. Um, but to me, the bigger news would be like what's going on with David Montgomery. I think him being out opens up a lot and not only a lot of value for the Lions, but also maybe how they play the game. I don't think they'll be running between the tackles as much if David Montgomery is out. So you're feeling not a lot of Craig Reynolds, but a lot of Jameer Gibbs. I mean, he's 6,300. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people are going to want to pay up for him. I could be wrong. Um, what are you thinking on Jameer Gibbs? I love him. I mean, I, I think that he's kind of that same home run hitter as Bijan is. And the yeah. best thing that I could say about Gibbs is I think he actually pairs pretty nicely with uh, with uh, a golf stack, right? Most people think when I stack my quarterback, I can never put the running back with him. But Gibbs is going to probably get seven targets out of the backfield. Uh, and if, if just one of those is a touchdown, those two are going to be absolutely correlated in a smash lineup. And all that usage of Montgomery being out has to be soaked up by somebody. And who is more in line to get that than Jameer Gibbs? Yeah, I mean, it's certainly, I mean, Jameer Gibbs got nine targets last week. He caught seven of them. That that alone, like, just just think of him as a receiver who's going to get, like, Debo rushing like rushing uh, usage because he had seven carries last week, but he had nine targets. I mean, that's what you're looking for, especially if you think this Atlanta defense can't contain him. So enough about that game. I, I, it sounds like we both love that game, whether it's a skinny stack or whether it's just taking pieces from it. Now, this Titans game. At the Browns, Titans are plus three and a half. I think as it stands right now, this might have opened it four. I like the Titans a lot in this game. I don't know why this line is over the key number of three. But the only player that I think anybody wants to play here, speaking of cash, I mean, I think this guy is very cash game viable, even though it's not a great matchup against the Titans. I mean, Jerome Ford's kind of an obvious play, right? Is there anybody else you'd even consider playing? And are you out on Jerome Ford in tournaments? Yeah, so Jerome, I mean, I, I'm a little, you know, they signed Kareem Hunt, obviously, so I'm a little anxious to see how that's going to play, and he is a guy that can probably just come in and instantly start playing, as he is going to be very familiar with their system. 
And with that, it just makes me wonder, like, what's his upside? Like, is he only going to get 12 touches, 15 touches? And yes, it's not the best matchup. I would say in cash, you always a starting running back who's guaranteed probably around 15 touches. You usually want to play at $4,800. But I think in in tournaments, there's a real path to fading Jerome Ford, just like there was to Josh Kelly last week. Everybody got FOMO about Josh Kelly, and he was like 30% owned. And when he get like three points? So there's always a path to fading marginal running backs in tough matchups whenever they're going to be mega chalk. So uh, my answer. My short answer would be yes, I could fade him in tournaments. And you'd agree with me because I know a lot of the listeners, uh, Fantasy Football Today, DFS listeners, they they want some sort of um, separation. They want me to kind of point out some cash game viable players. You'd agree with me that Jer- Jerome Ford is, is pretty good from a cash game standpoint. Yeah, I, I, yes, he's he's probably the best cash game running back because a cash game, you want a guy that offers you, you know, at least a 2x floor. So in his case, at least 10 point floor, but you still want him to have that 20 to 25 point upside, that 4 or 5x upside. And I think Jerome Ford offers both of those things at 15 touches uh, with a couple of those being targets he's you know very likely to get to that 10 point floor but also if he falls in the box or maybe gets a 100 yard rushing game he also has that 20 25 point upside which you know is is kind of the nuts when it comes to uh when it comes to uh uh, cash game yeah and swaggy p uh just referring back to that detroit game craig reynolds getting touches and goal line work on sunday swaggy p i agree i mean but i do think if he's going to really pay off in your tournament lineups he he does have to land in the end zone most likely uh, because he's probably not going to get that passing work, but that doesn't that statement doesn't mean I don't think he's a good play. I do, I do think he's a good value, especially if you're stacking high end receivers and you're just punting on uh, on running backs, which you can. I mean, you could go Jerome Ford, you could go Craig Reynolds, and you go Joshua Kelly. You're not paying more than fifty five hundred for a running back, so that's an option if you want to build like that. And don't forget, Speaking Deshaun of, Watson's not good, and that's going to negatively impact him. What? Who's not good? Deshaun Watson. Oh, yeah, that's true. I mean, is there is there anybody else from this game that you even like? I mean, anytime it's a slow, sloggy game, I'm always interested in Derrick Henry because I bet yeah. he's going to get 20 to 22 touches, and he hasn't busted that 80-yard touchdown run where he stiff arms everybody into the earth. Uh, you know one of those is coming, right? So uh, yeah. the problem is and when he just gets one of those, he breaks the slate because not only is he getting that touchdown and all those yards, he gets then he, he'll he get the 100-yard bonus. He'll be in a script that will have him running the ball more. So anytime I think the Titans could be playing from ahead, I'm always warm to Derrick Henry because that guy just never seems to be more than 10% owned anymore. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's not that sexy name or he's not as sexy as some of these guys who catch five, six, seven balls. But by the way, keep an eye on Derrick Henry in terms of his practice reports. Let's make sure he's playing Sunday. I'm sure he is. Amon Ross St. Brown does look like he's trending towards playing. It looks like he has a mild turf toe injury. But these are all things you have to monitor. And if these guys are out, it's not only important because they're out and you can't play them. It's important because, well, who's there to take their spot? What what kind of value opens up, uh, especially when you're considering uh, cash and tournament options? Let's go to the Broncos, minus six and a half. I'm surprised this isn't seven or more, to be honest with you. They're minus six and a half at the Dolphins. It's a 48 and a half point total. It's looking like Waddle is trending to not playing. Uh, With that in mind, I mean, Braxton Berrios at 3,600, Craycraft at 3,400. They're at least interesting to open up value. But obviously, Mostert is going to be a popular play here. Uh, Javante Williams, maybe at 5,500. Tyree Kill at 9K. Which of these guys that I mentioned are you interested in? Uh, Or are are you just out on this game? So, so often when a star is out, like Waddle being out, they always just think, oh, well, the backup is the guy who will soak up all that usage, right? You know, like last night on the 49ers game, everybody assumed because Ayuk was out, Jennings was the smash play. But what people fail to realize is a lot of time whenever a player is out, that opens up usage to everybody on the offensive set. So it actually makes me like a guy like Durham Smythe, the tight end, right? A nice punt tight end now because somebody is going to get those targets and most people are just going to go to Berrios and Craycraft naturally. And so I think a guy like Durham 
Smythe and Raheem Mostert are the guys that might be able to soak up some of that usage that no one's thinking about. But those targets have to get absorbed somewhere. Why can't they be at a, a different position than the wide receiver? So those would be some guys I'd be keeping an eye on. Yeah, I love that because if you go that route, now you've found your your punt tight end, right? Because a lot of people are looking for that slate to slate. I mean, they, they don't necessarily want to pay up for the Kelsey's or the Mark Andrews of the world. And they're in that sort of 3K range. Well, Durham Smythe's 2,900. So now you've now you've sort of solved your your punt tight end problem while opening up a ton of cash for all your other positions. Yeah, and, and I'll just note that I do like Tyreek Hill. I haven't I don't think he's gonna make it into my lineups because it's very likely I'm going to be playing Justin Jefferson and some other high-end receivers like a Keenan Allen, for example, in that in that Vikings um spoiler alert, you know, one of my favorite stacks is, is cousins to Jefferson with a Keenan Allen bring back. If I do that, so so brave of you. So brave. I know, I know, I know. Uh if I do that, putting Tyreek Hill in my lineup is uh is going to be questionable there just from uh, an affordability standpoint. So uh any interest in Javante Williams, fifty five hundred going up against the Dolphins? No, I, I think the Broncos are fool's gold. I just don't like them. I know they had the big total last week, but if you watch the game, like that's just not who they are, right? They got yeah. the, you know, two two bombs to my my dude Marvin Mims, the Hell Mary at the end of Johnson. I mean, it, they're just smoking mirrors. I'm telling you, Russ Wilson is dust. <laughs> that guy yeah. is dust. I, I agree. And if it's a negative game script, don't forget, Samaj Piran's going to get some run in the passing game there, too. And, and you're right about Mims. Like those points, that was busted coverage by Washington in the yep. first half. I mean, that's just exactly what it was. So I really, really can't count on that. All right. Um, listen, the, the next game, we've been on the Chargers on this show uh, for the last two weeks, but a lot of people have. Um, and the question becomes, Am I going to be on the Chargers again? Am I going to be on the Vikings? That is the game with the highest total. But before we get there, let's hear a word from our partners. We are back and we're talking Chargers Vikings. And listen, this is going to be the most popular game. And I think this game is interesting on a lot of levels because if you don't want to fade this game, well, if you want to fade this game, that, you know, good news, like you're from a game theory standpoint, you'll be in like relatively good shape. But there's so many pieces from both sides of the ball that I think you can invest in this game, but like kind of get different at the same time. So, James, I want to lead with that. I mean, obviously, Justin Herbert to Keenan Allen or Justin Herbert to Mike Williams. It all makes sense. Joshua Kelly is going to be tremendous value if Eckler is out, which is what it's trending to be. On the other side of the ball, Kirk Cousins to Jefferson. You can take a gamble on TJ Hawkinson, obviously, which isn't much of a gamble other than his price being a little bit higher than some of the tight ends you want, might want to play for. We have, and by the way, Hawkinson 6,500. We have Addison at 5,500. We have KJ Osborne, who's still getting plenty of looks at a flat 4K. I, I guess my first question for you is, are you interested in this game? Or are you interested in more of like fading this game because you think this is just going to be too popular for you? There's three ways. <clears throat> There's three ways to play a game like this, and to me, only one of them is incorrect. You can uh, just completely stack this game and go crazy with it. You can play some st strategic pieces from it and avoid the rest of it, or you can completely fade it. Right? Those are the three options. And to me, completely fading a game that by far has the highest total is just rarely ever the answer. Right? <laughs> There's a reason it has the highest total. P some pieces of this game are almost certainly going to go off. So to just close your eyes and hope that nobody from this game has a 30 plus point uh, uh, performance is, I, th I think that's a fool's errand so what i would tell you to do is how can you get into this game right you can either go all in on it and just be super stacked up on it and just out leverage everybody that way but really to me the more interesting play on these super chalky games is how do i get into this game get pieces of this game knowing that it's going to be a shootout that not only could my pieces go off but if my pieces go off they will directly negatively correlate to other people going off right if everybody wants to run a herbert stack maybe this is where i go play the the josh kelly flop lag from last week right mm -hmm. uh, and that's what i like to do i like to go in 
into these games and get pieces that not only that I think are going to be in a good spot, but will also negatively correlate to the other chalky pieces in the game. So let's say I was fixated on playing Joshua Kelly. I just really like the matchup relative to last week. You know, Joshua Kelly much more likely to be running in between the tackles and maybe landing in the end zone in a 54 point total. If I'm if I'm fixated on playing the Joshua Kelly part, am I am I playing another piece on the Chargers side? Not a stack, but another piece on the Chargers side. And whether the answer is yes or no, what am I doing on the Minnesota side? Yeah, so I would probably, I mean, you can, like maybe you go run Kelly and Gerald Everett, right? Because I imagine those are going to be two of the lower owned charger pieces uh, relative to the rest of them, right? Or maybe you take one of their punt wide uh, wide receivers with Palmer or Johnston, right? But I, I, I would probably go with, you know, one on that side. You can go with two. And then I would certainly correlate it with somebody from the Minnesota side, right? A 54-point total seems to indicate that both teams are going to be scoring and moving the ball. So to not have some action on both sides of that, I think is a little short-sighted. So I would have one or two chargers, not even necessarily correlated. Just correlated in the game, but not correlated to each other, and then uh, run it back with a Viking or two. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you, like I think one of my favorite stacks is going to be probably on the Cousins side. The one thing I want to point about about the Chargers side is that Brian Flores defensively, if you saw what he did against the Eagles, he kind of allowed the Eagles to do a lot underneath and, and not a lot down the field, which is part of the reason you saw A.J. Brown frustrated. Granted, Devontae Smith caught some long balls, but I think the Flores game plan, while he is aggressive, I do think he kind of leaves those safeties deep. And with that in mind, you know, I, I'm not as interested in I think Mike Williams is going to have a good game. He got 13 targets last week. But I, I also think Keenan Allen is going to be that underneath guy that gets gets keeps getting peppered and, and keeps kind of being left more open than some of the other receivers. So I, it makes me kind of steer towards the Kirk Cousins side. I, I think I like a Kirk Cousins double stack with Jefferson and either Addison and Osborne and bring it back with really two two chargers um I, you could bring it back with one but if you bring it back with mike williams or keenan allen and joshua kelly listen i to me dgen all of those guys that that stack can succeed i mean that's like kind of a super stack there but in this game that that's viable right yeah and keenan allen's just a guy i gotta eat crow on i thought he was dust i thought he was done and he has really impressed me through these first two weeks i was a big mike williams buyer not that he's been bad but to me keenan allen is still cl- clearly the number one receiver there uh for the chargers so uh, uh, I, he's he's very he's been very impressive. Honestly, it's seventy six hundred in this game environment with the amount of targets he's going to get. He's probably almost cash viable. If I wouldn't tell you to spend that extra money to get up to Jefferson, I would probably say I would have Keenan Allen in my cash lineup. Yeah, all right. I, so I think he'll I get a everybody... dozen targets at least. Yeah, fair enough. Um, and speaking of a dozen targets, so I, again, I think Keenan Allen is is very cash viable as well. So we've mentioned a couple already. There's another guy that's really cheap that I think is is cash viable in this Texans Jaguars game. Uh, Texans plus eight and a half at the Jaguars. It's a 44 point total. Listen, I think Nico Collins, we we can have that conversation. He's he's obviously going to be the target guy, the, the primary guy for CJ Stroud, who has been chucking it around the yard, which is pretty impressive if you think about it, because the offensive line has been so bad. I'm not super interested in this game. I think I'll have a couple of shares of, of Travis Etienne. I don't want to do the Trevor Lawrence stack thing. I don't know if it's Christian Kirk. I don't know if it's Calvin Ridley, if it's Evan Ingram, if it's Zay Jones. Etienne does intrigue me a little bit against this Texans front seven. On the other side, though, Nico Collins, Tank Dell. Like, I mean, from a cash standpoint, do you like either of those two guys? And are you interested in this game at all from a tournament standpoint? I mean, I also Stroud's one of those guys that I thought was horrific, and he kind of impressed me. Like they're actually moving the ball a little bit, and uh, with as cheap as he is and his wide receiver options are, I don't even—I I can't believe I'm about to say this—I don't even mind a Stroud stack with like an ET and run back, right? <laughs> which mm-hmm. is so weird to say because like, it's, look, the Texans are going to probably be playing from behind in this game, which isn't the best script always for a rookie quarterback when the defense knows he's going to pass. 
but everybody knew he was going to pass the first two weeks, and he's still been able to throw the ball down the field and complete passes. And I think that uh, Nico Collins and Tank Dell are like actual legitimate NFL wide receivers. And at those price tags, I think they're both very viable, and they seem to get like 90% of the targets just between those two guys. So uh, it, it's a little, I'm a little scared about playing a Houston guy in my cash lineup, but man, I love both those guys for GPPs. Hey, that's an interesting stack because we have CJ Stroud at 5,300. You can stack him with Nico. So that's a $10,600 stack just right there. I mean, just to give you some perspective, that, that's almost as much as Justin Jefferson is like by himself. Exactly. So, but it allows you a stack like that allows you to get Justin Jefferson in your lineup quite easy. And oh, by the way, CJ Stroud to Tank Dell, that's under 10,000. The total on that, I'm doing quick math. I think it's like almost exactly what Justin Jefferson is at ninety. It's, it's a little cheaper, right? It'd be eighty nine hundred, and then he like ninety three or something. He's ninety three. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, again, uh, if you think and I, and I love the Etienne bring back because the theory is they're they're just moving the ball, they're running all over the Houston Texans, and the Texans are playing comeback ball in a negative game script and just having to pass to one of those two receivers. So. Uh, that listen, that was not on my radar, James. I, I think it. I think it has to be at least a little bit uh, because there's. It's just so cheap, and it allows you to pay for those high end receivers and still get shares of some of those big games. Um, I'm and I'm. You know, ATN. Is it a yes or no on ATN? Yes, I've been very uh, impressed with how much he's been involved with their uh, with their t- like he's getting a huge workload so far to start the season. I did not expect yeah. that. Um, and it's sixty nine hundred uh, in a in a favorable game script of with a, what is it seven and a half point line uh, or eight and a half point line. I think you got to be pretty open to ETN. Very open. All right. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm op- open to that as well. We got the uh, next game is the Saints plus one and a half at the Packers. It's a forty two and a half point total. Certainly a modest total. I don't think this is a game people are particularly interested in. However, it does look like Aaron Jones is going to be back. And Kendra Miller appears to be the guy in the Saints backfield with still no Alvin Kamara and Jamal Williams uh, injured over the next probably few weeks here. So is Kendra Miller on your radar? And and if not, either way, are there is there any interest in this game with such a low total? So for Kendra Miller, the answer is no. I don't know what to do with the Saints. And I do know Kendra Miller is electric. And I think he's going to be kind of like, you know, uh, Bijan and Jameer Gibbs. And people are going to be really impressed with how electric this rookie is. But I also just don't think they're going to run him out there and give him 15 or 20 touches in his first game. But I will tell you, Packers at home with a guy who's been missing, who I think is a true wide receiver one. I'm just I'm just trying to convince myself if if I get word that Christian Watson's getting a full run on it, he will be in my lineups. I'm just I'm just a Christian Watson Watson buyer this year. And uh, I'm not going to let uh, the first few weeks of him being banged up uh, get me off of him at home uh, whenever I think he could have like 12 target upside. Yeah, and we're going to have to monitor practice really later today to see if he's in there, because I think he practiced a little bit Wednesday. He sat out yesterday while Aaron Jones was was running around. So let's monitor Christian Watson and Aaron Jones. I think what's interesting about Aaron Jones is that nobody's really going to want to play him coming off an injury, especially on this slate with such a low total here at 42 and a half. If he's a full go, any interest in playing Aaron Jones at likely very low ownership? Yeah, I mean, the first week he was unbelievable, right? And in yep. a script like this, I think, um, you know, he makes a ton of sense, right? So, uh, and, you know, I just don't think A.J. Dillon's the dude. <laughs> I think no. that Aaron Jones is definitively better than him. So to, if you think that, like, it's a 50-50 split between those two, I just don't think you understand that situation very well. Aaron Jones is pretty electric. Uh, I don't know that his salary off the top of my head, but if he's under 7000 I'm probably in on big Aaron Jones. Yeah, and let me uh, let me take a quick look at the Aaron Jones pricing. I would it guess sixty eight hundred. Did you say sixty eight hundred? Yeah, that's a good guess because he's sixty eight hundred. You know, I've been doing this for a while. 
<laughs> Very good. Very impressive. Chris Olave, for whatever it's worth, 7K, but I'm, I'm not playing that. The Green Bay secondary is not really something you want to test. By the way, I like Green Bay to win that game uh, outright, just FYI there. Um, I've already played the money line. Uh, I think yeah. they're one and a half point favorites. Uh, a game I don't want to play in any regard whatsoever is the Patriots at the Jets, unless you want to trot out their defenses, which I think is totally fine. Is there anything, because we can just move on if the answer is no. Is there anything fantasy, vi- or I should say DFS viable here? I wouldn't even be playing the defenses. So often people think that defenses, you want to get, oh, it's going to be a low-scoring game. Give me the defense. But often defenses score the most when the games are more up-paced and there's more passing. That's more chances mm-hmm. for sacks, interceptions, pick sixes. So even a defense in this game would have me very disinterested as I think this will be a slow, sloggy game with very few plays and a lot of those, a large percentage of them will be run plays. And defenses just don't score on running plays unless you get a random fumble. Yeah. No, I agree there. I mean, I, I think the only argument would be how bad is Zach Wilson? And if they're down in this game, like, like, how does this game turn out for the Patriots defense specifically? With that said, DJ, I'm with you. This is not one of the deep, like neither of these two defenses. And I bet both the defenses are pricey too. And I'm not paying, I'm not paying up for pricey defenses in a sloggy game. Completely agree there. All right. Coming up next is Lamar Jackson, a potential naked play this week. That sounded weird. Uh, Find out after a word from our partners. We are back. This is Fantasy Football Today, DFS. I'm with James at the Degenerate 75. Make sure you give him a follow, not just on the X, still sounds weird, not just on Twitter, but also on his YouTube page. And James, your, your website, give us, uh, is, is it DGen75.com? That's it, DGen75.com, focused on uh, uh, fan- DFS football, uh, DFS golf, um, and uh, just helping people get better at the process. Don't come over there looking for picks. I'm more about helping with the process and giving you the tools you need to make informed decisions and help you with your own process. So, um, you know, most most sites like mine are like, here's my core plays. We don't do any of that. So if that's what you're after, I'll just go ahead and save you some time. You, you won't like it. Fair enough. All right. And don't forget, join his contest, which he's going to be tweeting out. I'm sure it'll be on his YouTube page as well. Uh, We've got the Colts plus eight at the Ravens. Uh, Tough spot for the Colts. It's a 44 point total. So again, another modest total here. You know, I think Lamar is interesting at 7,700. I mentioned before the break, you know, playing him naked. I really don't want to like the Nelson Aguilar experience took off last week. You know, so Zay Flowers, Aguilar, if Beckham's healthy, Mark Andrews, it's just a lot of mouths to feed here. So I don't know that I want to play him with anybody, but I do think Gus Edwards is interesting, not with Lamar, but I think he's interesting at 5,300 with Justice Hill likely sidelined this week. Of course, um, you know, J.K. Dobbins is not going to be playing this year either. The problem here, and this goes for the Washington and the New England game, is we might have some weather concerns, a lot of rain, a lot of, quote, sloggy weather. Are you interested, James, in, in any of the pieces here? We have Zach Moss at 5,500 as well. Yeah, so like the thing with Lamar is like I never want to. I don't think you should ever play an NFL quarterback truly naked, which means with no other passing piece. Because even a guy like Lamar, who's one of the high, you know, heaviest running uh, quarterbacks in the NFL, they just don't run that heavy, right? If you think quarterbacks run heavy, go watch a college football game. Those guys can get there by themselves. NFL games, they're almost certainly going to drag one pass catcher along. Uh, And at least now, what it seems with Lamar, at least he has Zay Flowers, and of course he still has Mark Andrews, really emerging as his top two mouths to feed. So I think uh, running a little skinny stack with uh, either one of those is viable. But to me, Gus Edwards, I think, is just a dude who's in a very safe spot. I mean, Ravens are really good. Ravens running backs are really good at running the ball, and they score a lot inside of the five because all the defenses are keying on Lamar Jackson on those zone reads or on those uh, RPOs. So with that, uh, I, I think Gus Edwards is probably over 50% to score a touchdown and likely to probably get in line of 15 touches. He gets a couple catches. He could be 20 you know, twenty points easy. So uh, the, the, there's, there's some ways to attack this game, but I would say Edwards would probably be the best one 
I, I really like Edwards' running style. He's like very north-south. And if this becomes a game where they're just kind of, for lack of a better way to say it, like just kind of beating the Colts into submission, they're doing it down the stretch with Gus Edwards, not Lamar Jackson running around in the fourth quarter protecting a double-digit lead. So uh, I think Gus Edwards, and he's not a sexy name too because we don't we don't think of him as a pass catcher in, to any degree, which you know largely he's not. Uh, 5,300, it seems very appetizing. Any interest in Zach Moss coming off like a full workload last week? He was 4,700 last week. He's 5,500 now. Again, we've got so many cheap running backs to consider. Um, would Moss make it, whether whether it be cash or maybe tournament viable? You know, I like Zach Moss, but I think you know, the problem with Zach Moss is I just don't think this is going to be the best game environment for the Colts. I actually like him a lot more if Richardson plays, which I'm almost sure he's going to be out and they're going with Garner Minshew. And in that case, I, I think that that kind of hurts Moss's value, right? Because mm -hmm. th that running threat that Richardson opens up helps Moss out. So Moss in a negative game script without Richardson, I think I would rather sp go to other quote unquote chalky free space 5K running backs than Moss. Nothing wrong with Moss. I just think there's other guys that will probably be a little lower owned that I think are offer higher upsides and safer floors than he does. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to agree with that. And by the way, um, I only played, you know, I kind of went with your strategy, James. We talked about this during the offseason series where we only have, I know in your case, you typically only have like two stacks you play, two quarterbacks you play. And um, I usually have at least three, but last week I only had two. It was Jared Goff stacks, which this show is very familiar with. They did a lot of Jared Goff stacks as well. Um, with Amon Ross St. Brown, with Josh Reynolds, you know, which which worked out to some degree. Amon Ross missed some parts of the game, so that didn't really help. But my other quarterback that I played was Anthony Richardson. And can I tell you how much my account, and, and I had a lot of lineups with Richardson, how much my account jumped after basically the first quarter of play, which I understand is very early. But mm -hmm. Richardson was on track to score. I, I mean, I'm I'm speculating account for like five touchdowns at least the way that game was going and i was winning like all of my i had josh reynolds in, in the richardson lineups too so and he had just caught a touchdown pass uh that's the unfortunate side of dfs sometimes yeah i mean he was on pace to break the slate he already had like what 50 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns which are gold because they get you the full six points as opposed to just those four point passing touchdowns i mean i think if he plays the full game at worst he scores 30 to 35 points that was the kind of uh, game he was on pace for which would have absolutely broke the slate and he was at low ownership so kudos to you and then a reminder uh that uh that that uh, even when you're smart and you make good plays sometimes you still don't get there because i went with geno stacks i was on the other side of that game and geno did great i think he was the second or third highest scoring quarterback on the slate but DK Metcalf gets banged up in the first quarter, and then it's just never the same the rest of the game. And almost all my Geno lineups had Metcalf. So even when you do good and you think it through and you have a great process, sometimes you can still get unlucky. Which is why James always says, focus on the process, not, not the outcome. Because if your process is right, you're going to be in the mix more often than not. And that's really what you want to be focused on. It was very discouraging to have the Anthony Richardson thing happen. But at the same time, like I knew my process was right. My, my stacks were good. Um, my plays were good. It just didn't end up working out for me. Um, we got the bills minus six and a half at the commanders. I'm not really interested in this one. It's a 43 and a half point total. This is another one of those games where we might have some weather concerns, maybe a wet field, maybe some, some downpours, you know, it might be calm who knows, but Brian Robinson at 5,800. I don't think I'm going to invest there, even though Eric Bieniemy has really kind of made him a focal point of the offense. Jahan Dotson in a potential negative game script at 4,900. I don't think I'm going there either, and I'm not really interested in the Josh Allen side. Are you interested in any correlations, any stacks, any players in this game? 
Yeah, I mean, the problem with the Bills, the, you always want to consider the Bills, but, you know, they don't exactly have a huge total in this game. And furthermore, I am a little concerned about the weather, them being on the road. I see them just maybe grinding out this game. If I were going to get any part of this game, I might just go with the Bills running back. James Cook is good. I wish they would yeah. stop pulling him every time he gets inside the 10 and he can never get a rushing touchdown. If he ever gets one, it's going to have to be a 25-yarder. Um, and then the Commanders, I think, you know, I think they're a lot like the Broncos. I think they're smoking mirrors. Like last mm-hmm. week, I know they had the big total and all that, but like the I just don't think they're good. I'm not going to overreact to one good week. So by and large, the bills are too expensive. And I think that the commanders are, uh, are, uh, what, uh, fake. There you go. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, one thing to point out, I think Dawson Knox missed practice yesterday. So if you're looking for a punt tight end, if the weather's good, maybe Dalton Kincaid gets his chance here, but that's probably not something I'm resorting to. I just kind of wanted to point that out. All right, we've got three four o'clock games. I'm I'm a fan of playing this afternoon slate. So um, some of these some of these guys I mentioned might be kind of more afternoon only guys as opposed to main slate guys. But we got the Panthers plus six at the Seahawks. It's a forty two and a half point total. Panthers rolling out. Well, it's not going to be Bryce Young. It's going to be Andy Dalton, which I got to be honest with you, might be better for the Panthers, at least right here, right now. Uh, Ken Walker's interesting to me at 6,200. Adam Thielen seems to be the receiver of choice at 3,900. At least it was for Bryce Young. We'll see about Andy Dalton. JSN at 4,300. I'm not really interested in anything here other than maybe Kenneth Walker. Anything you like here. But it's just a gross game. Like I don't like the total. I don't like these teams. I, you know, I, I, I the Seahawks uh, offense. I think if people are, are going to be buying high off of last week because they seem to really show a pulse. But once again, they were playing at the Lions Stadium, which that place is just magical when it comes to fa- fantasy scoring. So I'm not going to overreact to that this week. Uh, the thing with Walker is at 6,200, like he's not very efficient. If he doesn't fall into the box last week twice, he does nothing. I mean, wildly inefficient, like two yards a carry inefficient. So yeah. I, I, I'm not convinced that they're going to just run the ball that easily. And if I remember correctly, the Panthers do have a sneaky good run defense. So they do. Um, that, that, that's not something that I'm wanting to target Walker in there. I mean, other than the fact that he's most likely to be in a good game script at home. But I, I think a lot of people are going to take that bait. And I think I can get it uh, elsewhere. Yeah, I think for me, maybe I'm playing Walker in the afternoon slate because while he is inefficient, there are those times where he busts like a 60 yard run. And, and you know, obviously that's potentially slate breaking for you. But but I agree. And, and you're right. The Carolina front seven is is actually pretty good it's the back end that's been the problem jc horn's still injured for this for carolina so if you're going to expose them it's probably going to be on the back end but this total like nothing really screams to me like i want to play this game but again in the afternoon slate maybe i have some sort of skinny stack with with walker and maybe adam thielen on the other side uh, maybe even uh, jackson smith and jigba and thielen on the other side or you, you take a chance with maybe a jonathan mingo something like that uh next game this one's really interesting to me i don't think i'm going to main slate play it but afternoon slate I think I might play Justin Fields, uh, maybe naked, by the way. I know that's not something you like to do, but I might correlate him with like Travis Kelsey. Like literally that's that's what I do in that game. I have Justin Fields and I correlate him with Travis Kelsey and then I move on to one of the other two afternoon games. But let's just kind of referring to the main slate here. Any interest in a Mahomes stack or Mahomes in general or the Justin Fields side? No, I just never run Mahomes stacks on main slates because he's so darn hard. You got to double stack him. A quarterback like him as a quarterback, you have to double stack because at that price tag, he's going to have to carry two pass catchers across the finish line with him. And okay, we always know to play him with Kelsey. Okay, got it. Who else? Right? Like I don't want right. to rotate his roulette of wide receivers for the second spot. So I'm never a big Mahomes guy. But I think Justin Fields is a guy that like he could push the pace of this game. He has not had a breakout game this year, but we have seen it before. He clearly can do it. And he's a guy that you only need to run 
a skinny stack with, right? DJ Moore is due to have a breakout, right? He, he could get just one bomb to one pass catcher. They, they keep the pace of this game up. You know the Chiefs are going to score the ball on the Bears. You can run it back with Kelsey. You can run it back with Pacheco. Uh, I don't know if I would want to run it back with any of that roulette of wide receivers. I think this, you know, like, especially if my early slate doesn't go well on Sunday, I will be switching um, to some stacks in this game just to get weird to maybe play catch up. Right. You're talking late swap on the main yeah, slate, right? Exactly. Love that. Love that. And everybody that's listening, you should know some of the late swap strategies. But but again, what what James is saying, for those of you that are kind of new to late swap, you shouldn't be. But if things aren't going well on the main slate and you have something chalky in the afternoon slate from a stack standpoint, well, maybe you get off that chalk. And there's not a lot of chalk in the afternoon yeah. slate, especially from the quarterback position. But um, just from a theoretical standpoint, you know, get off the chalk, try to make up some ground in the afternoon by going to some players particularly some high-end players that at least have, while it's a low floor, a high ceiling, and maybe you can play catch-up and, and end up finishing in the cash in your tournaments. Um, yeah, you know, keep a, keep an eye on Kadarius Tony's practice reports if you want to get involved in in, in Mahomes stacks. Uh, Isaiah Pacheco at 5,400. I, I don't like the Kansas City backfield, obviously, but again, in, particularly in the afternoon slate, he's at least interesting because, again, if they're protecting a huge lead, we know it's not Clyde Edwards-Alaire. It's probably not Jarek McKinnon protecting that lead because that's not when they use Jarek McKinnon. It's usually Isaiah Pacheco. So I'm probably not playing Pacheco on the main slate, but in the afternoon slate, somebody I'm very interested in. This this last game in the 4 o'clock uh, slate is not super interesting beyond Tony Pollard. It's the Cowboys minus 12.5 at the Cardinals, 43-point total. Pollard is is 8,000. I don't think I'm getting to him on the main slate, but I understand why people are. He's he's going to be pretty popular. Uh, you know, Jake Ferguson, Marquise Brown, Zach Ertz, these are all guys that might be interesting in this game. I'm off this game completely. What are you thinking here? I think I think Tony Pollard's gonna have like 23 points at halftime, and then he's gonna finish the game with like 24 points, right? Like right. I think the Cowboys are gonna go out there and boat raise the Cardinals because I think the Cowboys are really good, and I think the Cardinals are really bad. And uh, that combination is, I think you can see Tony Pollard basically already out of this game after like the first drive of the third quarter, and so because of that, it really kills his upside on what he can do uh, and and to pay off that 8K tag because you want him to have 35, 40 point upside, which sounds ridiculous, but Tony Pollard can have that if he gets 20 touches, and mm-hmm. I. I I just don't know that he's going to get uh, all his full allotment of touches if uh, the Cowboys are playing from very far ahead, which the uh, line would seem to indicate they will be. Yeah, and I'll, I'll point out that with the Diggs injury yesterday tearing his ACL, it does make me think, well, maybe Marquise Brown at 4,900 is at least interesting in a negative game script. Now, again, that might be something I do on the afternoon slate only as opposed to the main slate, but keep that in mind. Like, Obviously, we're looking at a negative game script with – Dobbs, who's shown that he can chuck the ball around a little bit here and there. And I think Marquise Brown likely to be his primary uh, wide receiver there. All right, James, I think we covered the entire main slate. So what we do now, uh, and you might not be familiar with it, we go over Mike McClure's cheat sheet, which he was kind enough to send to us. Uh, We go over my cheat sheet, and we're going to do that real quick, and then we're going to do Mike's top three at each position. So I'm going to roll through the cheat sheets, James, and you tell me if there's anything from Mike's or, or mine that you're like, I'm playing that. I like that guy or, or I'm, I'm off that. Any reaction whatsoever. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and read off Mike's cheat sheet first. And he has what? Oh, this is nice. If you're watching us on YouTube, these are really cool graphics. We're going to have to post this on, on the X, on the Twitter, because this is new. Uh, good job, Nada, who's doing all the hard work behind the scenes here. He's got Justin Herbert at 7,500 to Mike Williams at 6,000. Uh, it sounds to me, James, like you like Mike Williams, right? 
Yeah, I, so like, I, I, just looking at his sheet here, the answer is I like them all. The only one I would have any reservations about is this Herbert to Williams, simply just because of the ownership that it's going to be there. But from yeah. just making sense, I love it. I'm a Mike, I'm a Mike Williams kind of guy, and uh, obviously, if I love Mike Williams, there's a very good chance that Justin Herbert's also getting there if Mike Williams is having a big game. Yeah, and keep this in mind from a cash game standpoint, too. Herbert to Mike Williams might be just a, like a great stack for you to have in your cash games. And just reading the rest of it, he's got his chalk plays Jerome Ford, another cash game viable guy. His value play, KJ Osborne, probably not cash, probably more of a tournament play. His fate is Zach Ertz because he's projecting high ownership for Zach Ertz coming off uh, last week. But Ertz would be a cash game viable play. So, again, this is this is what we're looking at. We're trying to throw in some uh, cash game guys, too. And Jahan Dotson's his contrarian play in what's likely a negative game script. McLaurin's still kind of working off the turf toe to some degree. So, I mean, I guess Dotson makes sense as a contrarian play. But again, you got to monitor the weather there because this might be kind of a, a slog fest. So that's Mike's cheat sheet. We'll go to mine real quick. I've got the other side of the Justin Herbert stack. It's a little cheaper on the quarterback end, but it's certainly not cheaper on the receiver end. I think Cousins is going to throw for more than 300 yards. I think Justin Jefferson is going to be the primary beneficiary of that. I do think Addison, Osborne, Hawkinson are all in play there, which is why I'm likely double stacking Cousins and bringing it back with two guys. One of those two guys is going to be Joshua Kelly. He's my value at 5,400. So my stack, Cousins to Jefferson, my value, Joshua Kelly. My chalk is Tank Dell at 3,600. I think he's going to end up being chalk. We'll, we'll see about that. In fact, you know what? That's reversed. Tank Dell is my value. Excuse me. He's at 3,600. The chalk play is Joshua Kelly. So stack cousins to Jefferson. Chalk play is Joshua Kelly. Value at 3,600 is Tank Dell. And Mike, oh, this is wrong too. Okay, so the fade is not um, Jordan Addison. That's actually my contrarian play. And then Raheem Mostert is going to be my fade. And that's just because, I, like, listen, Mostert might have a good game. But the reality is I, I just I can't fit him in. I'm going to play a lot of different running backs that are cheaper than Raheem Mostert. So he's just my fade because I know I'm not getting there. So just to recap, Cousins to Jefferson, Joshua Kelly's my chalk, my value's Tank Dell, fade Raheem Mostert, and my contrarian is Jordan Addison. Any comments there, James? First of all, yeah, Mike has much better handwriting than you in the graphics. That would be my first big takeaway. The second big takeaway is I just want to point out how brave you are for going with a Cousins to Jefferson stack. Just yes. really putting yourself out there. That's what I love about Sia. Just, you know, not just afraid to really put himself out there and go super contrarian with his stack. Respect. Yes, and and keep that in mind when you're doing your cash games because I do think Cousins to Jefferson is obviously viable um, in cash. Joshua Kelly, obviously a cash game play. I think Tank Dell is a cash game play too. I think Nico Collins is in that conversation as well. So again, these are some cash game plays that we're putting out there. And for the record, just talking about other stacks, I think a, a one, I think there's a few stacks I like. I'll narrow it down to two or three, but I do think that golf stack is viable, especially if Amonra is healthy and bringing it back with Bijan in tournaments, I think is a really good way um, to, to, to stack that game. All right, let's do Mike's top three at each position. And then we're going to get out of here. Let's start at the quarterback position. His top three are Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, interesting and Kirk Cousins all right so he's all in on that 54 point total which makes sense his running backs Jerome Ford value Joshua Kelly value oh and then interesting Miles Sanders over in Seattle as his third favorite running back all right that's a little different James any thoughts there it's bold. I, I just that, you know, Miles Sanders is a guy that I already don't trust. And then I don't uh, trust Carolina's offense and I don't trust that game script. That's like the holy trinity of reasons I would not be playing Miles Sanders. <laughs> well, the good news there is that while he has two chalky guys at, at the front end of that running back list, he certainly has a contrarian guy on the back end. If you want to participate there, uh, his wide receivers, no surprise here. Mike Williams, Justin Jefferson, and he's going to play Tyreek Hill. 
If you get just Justin Jefferson and Tyreek Hill in your lineup, it's very expensive. It's possible. Um, if you find value in those tank Dells in those five K and four K running backs. Um, and honestly, I don't think a lot of people, James are going to play Tyreek Hill because they, they want so much investment in some of those other games that they're just not going to get there. Are you pro or I shouldn't say pro is Hill going to make it into your lineups this week is what I'm asking. Yeah. So Tambo actually said this on the show Tuesday, and this is just part of the reason that I love like talking roster construction with him. Cause he said what people could do that no one's going to think of is you go play that chargers Vikings game, right? You get a whole bunch of it, but you just go take Jefferson out and you just go put Tyree kill in, Right. Mm-hmm. So you still have that game and you just take out that one piece. And now you're getting Tyree kill who I think we all agree is, uh, has just as much upside as Justin Jefferson. And if Hill goes off and the other game goes off, well, you're still going to be fine because you have so many pieces of that Vikings Charger game, but maybe that was the key play was just to get those five or ten extra points that maybe Tyreek Hill got over Justin Jefferson, and that will let you build your rosters way different than everybody else is. And I re- that, that really stuck with me when he said that. I love that, especially when you consider the concentrated target share that we have in Miami, and we don't necessarily have that in Minnesota. As good as Justin Jefferson is, a lot of those targets could very well go to Addison, Osborne, TJ Hawkinson, among others. So it, like that that seems like a really good move when you know you're pivoting to a guy that's going to get a ton of targets because Tua just doesn't pass to other guys for for the most part. So absolutely love that from Tambo. Uh, tight end, Travis Kelsey. Interesting. So he's going to be playing some Mahomes-Kelsey stacks. Durham Smythe. Oh, there you go, James. Um, 2,900 Durham Smythe. Love that. And then he's got Chigakonkwo of, of the uh, tight end for the Tennessee Titans as, a, as his third favorite tight end. Very interesting. Well, James... Um, first of all, I don't think you need to comment there. You're not playing Kelsey. It sounds like you do like Durham Smythe. Um, any other tight ends that that come to mind when you're? Uh, I mean, I'm I'm just a big fan of my tight end usually being correlated to my quarterback stacks, right? So yeah. like I, I like whenever I'm p- picking my quarterback stacks, I like to factor in their tight end. So uh, that's usually where I get in there because that's a great way to let your stacks save some money and allow you to spend up at other places. So your stack isn't always three super expensive guys. I can go, you know, whatever. Let's say that I go uh, uh, Josh Allen and Diggs. Well, that's a lot of money. Now I could go punt with a Knox or a Kincaid or something like that to save me some money on that stack. Absolutely love it. All right, everybody, thank you for being in the chat. Um, thanks for hitting the like button. Thanks for doing all these things. Hopefully, you're subscribed to this show on, on Apple or Spotify. Hopefully, you're subscribed to everything that that James does. Maybe you've already visited his website, dgen75.com, but you can definitely check him out for free on YouTube. He has a ton of content up there. James, anything else going on in the universe of the Degenerate 75? Nope, just uh, I'm doing uh, PGA college football and NFL right now, which probably wasn't the best decision when it came to having a life, but we're doing them all the time. I'm live six days a week now, so just come check out the Degenerate 75 on YouTube. Uh, um, it's free, and you, might, you, you never know. You might just like the cut of my jib. You might just like the cut of his jib. All right, for James at the Degenerate 75, my name is Sina Jad. Don't forget to register for James's uh, contest, which, what is it, five bucks, James? Yep, three, uh, three max, five dollar, yep. That's what ours is. Uh, It's a $5 contest. So make sure you register for both of those this week. And uh, we're going to see you on Tuesday for a recap. We're going to have a special guest on Tuesday as well when we do our early look at pricing. That show is at 1030. It's a very quick hitter, 30-minute show, 1030 Eastern Standard Time. Until then, this is Fantasy Football Today DFS. Appreciate you joining us.